First Kings chapter 19. Um, is Kings in the, is that the Old Testament? It is. Uh, you'll find second Kings. It's right in front of that. Let me take just a minute. I need to, we got to take a little business after service. Do I, is there an elder in the service? How many elders? Just raise your hand. Wave your hand. Elders don't go to church. Shout at me if I... They were not in the first service. Not on one of them there. Would anybody like to be an elder in this church? I will eat them up after this. All righty. We're in a series about prophecy, prophetic. This is the last of four. We started out talking about the Middle East, what God's saying about the Middle East, what's going to come there. Second sermon was about the signs of the times, what's going on in the earth. The third was about get on God's side and relax, make up your mind. Then we took a break for Easter. Today we finish. Today we're going to talk about, uh, I've got to do a commercial before I start because I've got to help you with something. Do you know what Revelation is? Not the book of Revelation. You know what Revelation is? All right, the Bible talks about Revelation. It's when God shows you why things are happening that, that you could never find intellectually. Do you understand, you understand what I mean? It's when God teaches you things that the smartest person in the world couldn't find out. Only God can show it to you. That's called Revelation. Now, the book of Revelation is a revelation. Uh, for instance, I'm going to give you an example of, of Revelation. You should have, if you're a follower of Christ, you should have revelation. God should show you things nobody else knows. We're told in Ephesians 2, pray for revelation from God directly to you. We we're to pray that the eyes of our hearts might be opened, that we might see things nobody else can see. So you understand? Let me give you a picture of revelation. Uh, it's in, in the, uh, don't look at it. Second Kings 6, there was an old, old prophet. His name was Elisha. He lived in a little house with his helper. They gave him a helper. His name was Gehazi. Elisha had the ability, being a prophet, to know what the enemies of God were going to do. And then he'd tell the king. And they couldn't defeat Israel because the king of Israel always knew their battle plans. One day, the king of Syria in a staff meeting said, who in here is for the king of Israel? How does he keep finding out my plans? One of you is a traitor. And one spoke up, said, no, sir. There's an old prophet in Israel who hears what you say in your bedroom. And he's telling the king of Israel what's going on. And he was so furious, he said, send a squadron and kill him. So they sent soldiers. They sent their special ops. And they went to his house to kill him. And one morning Gehazi got up, he went out and he saw that the house was surrounded by Syrian warriors. He called Elisha, not Elijah, Elisha. He came out and he said, master, we are doomed. Elisha said, be at peace. Those that be with us are more than those that be with them. Amen. And then he put his hand on that little fellow's shoulder and said, Father, open the eyes of his heart. Let him see. And all of a sudden, he, the Bible said he could see and he saw the soldiers, but all around the soldiers were a thousand chariots of fire and warring angels. Listen to me. They didn't get there in that moment. They'd been there. You understand that? They'd been there. God just let him see what nobody else could see. That's revelation. Revelation is when God shows you what's behind something that the smartest man in the world can't find. Smart people can't get revelation. Matthew chapter 11, Jesus said, Father, 
I thank you that you have hidden these things from the wise and the prudent in their own eyes. People think they're smart, but you have shown these things to the humble. God doesn't teach you things because you're smart. God teaches things because you're humble and you break your heart before him. I said all that to say this. If you're a believer, you should have revelation. He should speak to you. He should be showing you things that nobody else can see. And that's what we're going to do this morning. I'm going to speak a message on revelation, not the book of revelation, but on the revelation of God. What's going on in this nation right now? What's going on in people's lives? Difference? Listen to me. You've got to see what's behind the stuff. Revelation is when God shows you why this is really happening. And we're going to look at that this morning. All right, we're going to look this morning. It's her name is Jezebel. We're going to talk about Jezebel this morning. It's a demon spirit. It's the most powerful demon in world history. It's not a single demon. It can rule nations. It can destroy nations. It can destroy families and lives. And it's, it's all through the, it covers 2,800 years in the Bible. And Jesus made this prophecy. Jezebel will infiltrate my church till the day I get back. I'm going to show it to you in, Revel, in the book of Revelation. Jezebel will rule nations. She will infiltrate my church till the day I get back. All right, I'm going to show you what Jezebel can do to people. Specifically, I'm going to show you what she can do in churches. And then I'm going to show you what she can do in nations, which in turn affects families. And then I'm going to show you what God expects you to do to Jezebel. And then I'm going to give you a prophetic word about what's coming in this nation. You say, nobody knows what's coming in this nation. God knows. And he shows it to people. All right, we're going to pick up. Uh, there was a woman named Jezebel in the Bible, not to be confused with the spirit of Jezebel. But there was a woman named Jezebel in the Bible. She's the most wicked woman in the Bible. She was bad to the bone. All right. <clears throat> this demon spirit ministered to a nation through this woman and took the nation over and turned it around. Right, let me tell you where we find her at. Here's the background. Uh, Israel had a king named Ahab. He was a lily-livered, spineless, ne'er-do-well. That's the, that's the Hebrew. 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 <laughs> You got to understand, they didn't elect their leaders. The son of the king who died became the king. That, that can be bad right there. You can be a great king and have a pathetic son. Can I get a witness? All right, that's what happened. A great king died. Ahab, his son, became king. He was no leader. He was incompetent. An evil king from a neighboring uh, country wanted to make an alliance with him for financial reasons because Israel held all the wealth. So they wanted to make an alliance. Ahab hesitated and this evil king said, I'll tell you what I'll do. If you'll make an alliance with my nation, support us financially, I'll give you my daughter's wife. She was half his age. She was beautiful. Her name was Jezebel. And she hated her father because he treated her like, she was just a, a bargaining chip with him. And she gave her to a man that she despised. But in that culture, you had to do that. So he makes an alliance and Ahab got Jezebel as a wife. And this evil woman became the queen of God's nation, Israel. And as soon as she got there, she turned the nation completely around. Ahab didn't care. All he wanted, he didn't care. And uh, she came, the first thing she did was shut the churches down, shut the worship of God down. She said, if you're, if you're a minister of God, I'm going to kill you. All the preachers had to run and hide. They hid them in caves, 50 to a cave and fed them bread and water. She brought in her God to Israel. Her God's name in the Hebrew is Baal. Most Americans just pronounce it Baal. And she built these centers of Baal worship and it was filthy to the core. Worship was an orgy. You went in these centers, you had sex with everybody in there and that was their worship. Listen, Jezebel is a whore to the core. She is filthy. She's a seductress. The spirit I'm talking about. And that's how she worshiped. 
She was violent. She was domineering. She was in charge. She was overbear- overbearing. It's not even close to what she was. She was evil. And she turned God's people against him. And because of what she, infl- how powerful, it wasn't the woman. The woman was the spokesperson. It was the power of darkness over the nation that turned God's people against him and began to worship idols and live filthy. Because of what they did, as he always does, God brought judgment on their nation. And it's economic. He brings economic judgment. He collapsed their economy. Nobody could even, you couldn't even find food. People were starving to death because the economy was that bad. But it wasn't to hurt them, it was to turn them back to him. And after they suffered, he raised up a man named Elijah. And Elijah had the power of God on his life. He called the whole nation together and he said, look what you've done to us with your evil. And he said, this is your last chance. Today, you're going to make a decision. That famous talk that he gave in 1 Kings 18, where he said, choose you today. Today, you're going to make a decision. If Jehovah is God, you're going to go back to worshiping him. If Baal is God, you're going to worship him and go to hell. Choose today. He was like that. He was a rough, rough guy. And uh, we never contest they had it. Well, the power of God so came, the entire nation hit their faces. And they repented of their sins. They turned back to God. They asked for forgiveness. He granted it. And they were going to worship God. Immediately, he took every one of her preachers and killed them right there on the spot. He was redneck to the core. 850 preachers he put to death. And everybody turned back to God in that nation except one person, the queen. She found out and she was furious. Now, I want you to learn something from the Bible. We take that up in 1 Kings 19. Ahab, who was the king, told the queen all that Elijah had done how he had killed her prophets, 1 Kings 19:1, with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, let the gods do to me and more also if I do not make your life as the life of one of them tomorrow at this time. What'd she do? She sent a messenger. She said, you go tell that old preacher. He'll be dead by this time tomorrow. She is violent to the core. She'll kill anybody that gets in her way. Now, all right, now listen to me. I'm reading this as a young man and I'm thinking, he just called the entire nation out. He just called fire down from heaven, turned the nation. He just put to death 850 false preachers. Surely, and he, he is, he makes Clint Eastwood like, look like Pee Wee Herman. You understand what I'm saying here? Surely he can handle one woman. You want to see something crazy? Watch this. Verse three. When he heard that, He arose and ran for his life. Went to Beersheba, left his servant. Went a day's journey in the wilderness, sat down under a broom tree and prayed that he might die. He said, I've had enough. Lord, just kill me. I'm no better than my father's. He lay and slept under a broom tree. An angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked and by his head was a cake or bread baked on coals, a jar of water. He ate, drank, lay down again, slept. The angel of the Lord came back a second time, touched him, said, get up, eat. This journey is too great for you. He arose and ate and drank. He went in the strength of that food, 40 days, 40 nights to the mountain of God. He went into a cave and spent the night and the voice of God came to him saying, what are you doing here, son, Elijah? He said, I've been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts. The children of Israel have torn down your covenant, torn down your altars, killed your prophets with a sword. I'm the only one left and they're trying to kill me. What happened to him? That's not a woman. No woman can make a man like that want to die. No woman can do that. That is the spirit of Jezebel. 
Listen to me. Jezebel only goes after the righteous. Jezebel goes after people that want to love God and do right. But I want you to look what happened to this man mentally and emotionally when this spirit got on him. I'm going to give you nine signs, eight or nine signs that you'll see. Listen, Jezebel is alive and well today. I'm seeing her. She's jumping preachers and righteous people in this nation like I've never seen before. Eight or nine signs of Jezebel operating in the earth. Number one, fear, terror. That man was absolutely, this man had never been afraid of anything in his life. He took the whole nation on. All of a sudden he is terrified of one woman. That's a Jezebel spirit. She operates by fear and intimidation. You don't give me what I want, I'll kill you. And domination. Number two, I quit. He, he, can you see what he said? I just quit. I give up. What did he say? I can't take this no more. A Jezebel spirit causes you to want to cut and run from your marriage. Get, just quit church. They're all hypocrites. What did he say? I'm the only one right. What is happening in this nation? You say, Brother Brian, don't you know what's happening? How tough it is? That ain't right. Those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like an eagle. They will run and not be weary. They will walk and not faint. There is a spirit greater than the spirit of Jezebel. But what I'm seeing in people is we're so, we can't take it no more. 40% of preachers last year in the Barna Pole, 40% of preachers said, I'm so wore out, I'd quit tomorrow if I could. That's Jezebel. Wearing people out. Just a weariness that I can't take it no more. That is not the spirit of God. Spirit of God is all power. Number three. Uh, number three is discouragement, despair, and hopelessness. Our God is the spirit of constant hope and encouragement. This discouragement, discouraged about the nation, that is a spirit. What did he say? I don't want to live. I don't even want to live anymore. It's so bad. There's no hope. I don't want to live anymore. Difference when you read the newspaper and you get to the obituaries and you read it and you think, lucky guy. <laughs> You're having a bad day. I just want to say to people sometimes, it's, you know, it's so bad in the nation. It's, let me ask you a question. Who is your God? Amen. Where is your God? Right. Where's the mighty one who's promised he'd be working in earth till the day he got back? But that discouragement over your family, that may be Jezebel. Number four, exhaustion. Do you notice how the man lay down and slept a whole day, got up, ate a meal, had to go straight back to bed for another day? He was exhausted. Dear ones, it is not normal for people to be exhausted. That's Jezebel. That's right. The spirit of Jezebel sucks the life out. We're, we become a lifeless people moping along. And uh, where is the power of God? Where is the mighty Holy Spirit of God that's supposed to fill his people? Now, let me make an announcement. If you're exhausted and worn out and depressed because you're eating sugar and not taking care of yourself, that's not a demon, that's a donut. Knock it off. <laughs> But there is a spirit of exhaustion on people today. I just can't take raising these children no more. You've got two kids in every modern convenience. My grandmother raised 12 children with no water in the house. And she was mean as a dickens till the day she fell over. Put a whooping on you. There was this constant exhaustion, fatigue, all these names doctors give it. That's Jezebel working in the lives of people. Number five, see if you notice this in there. Self-pity. Sitting around feeling sorry for himself. Everybody, nobody else loves you like I do. I'm the only one that's hanging in there anymore. Can you hear him whining in verse 10? Self-pity. Let me tell you something. You can be pitiful or you can be powerful, but you're never going to be both. 
And you got to decide you're going to honor God and you're going to be a world changer. Are you going to sit around and suck eggs and look depressed? Which one are you going to do? Self, listen, self-pity is not because of what's going on around you. Listen to me. Open the eyes of our hearts. It's not because of what you're going through. It's because of who is after you. That's a spirit. And we need to recognize from scripture. That's what he's saying to us. Number six. See if you've ever seen this before. A critical spirit. Wanting to criticize and point out how bad everybody else is. What did he do? When God finally came, what did he do? He spent all his time telling God how rotten everybody was. There's no critical spirit in the kingdom of God. The spirit of God is the kingdom of hope. Now we need to be delivered from that stuff. That's Jezebel in the mouth, even of God's people. Number seven, isolation. I just got to get away from it all. I just got to get away from people. I can't take it no more. He not only ran from the people, he even told his servant, I don't even want to be around you. Leave me alone. And he wanted to go out in the wilderness and be by himself. Now listen, solitude is wonderful. I'm a man of solitude. I love to be alone with God. But that isolation is when you alone with you. And that ain't very good company right there. You don't need to be alone with you and sit in your head and go round and round the mess. We were born to be around people. Listen, who said it is not good for a man to be alone? But when Jezebel gets on you, you want to be away from everybody. You want to sit on the TV, watch stupid movies, eat potato chips. Just leave me alone. I don't want to do nothing. That's Jezebel. Dominate. I don't know if you've noticed any in the land or not. Let me mention one more. Mental turmoil. What was going on in this man's mind? You can read a little further and see that there was just this racket in his head. And then the Bible said, but God was not in it. The confusion. One day I'm thinking this. The next day I'm thinking that. I can't figure anything out. You're not supposed to figure stuff out. You're supposed to hear the voice of God. Listen to this. Sexual perversion in your thoughts. Jezebel will bomb your head with sexual temptation and perversion. And then you'll beat yourself up. If I'm a Christian, why am I thinking like this? Open the eyes of our hearts and realize that's a demon spirit. That's not you. Let me make an announcement. A good tree does not bear bad fruit. The spirit of God lives in my heart. I'm born again. That junk doesn't come from me. It's coming from the outside in. But the the garbage, just the crazy thinking, just weird thoughts. Now, you need a revelation. This is demonic. This is the spirit of Jezebel that's hit this land. This is the, when the Bible said, darkness will cover the earth, deep darkness the people. That's her right there. It's in this land. I've had friends that, listen, Jezebel, Jezebel goes after the righteous. Who did she chase in the Bible? The people who wanted most to honor God. Now, if you think if I really serve God, I'd have no problem. No, you make up your mind to serve God, you're going to find trouble. Trouble going to come find you. We were born for this. I love this. I battled this hussy all my life since I've been in the ministry. I went through a battle with this thing not long ago that lasted about five or six months. I, I'm not going to take time to describe to you what I went through. I'll just tell you one thing. Saturday nights became sheer torment for me. I'd go to bed Saturday night. As soon as I'd lay down, it would start in my head. I never slept more than an hour. I'd have these terrifying nightmares of murder and violence. And I was the volunteer. And I'd wake up and I'd rebuke that thing, try to sleep a little bit, wake up Sunday morning exhausted. That went on for five or six months and in the church here and just, just the garbage and finally broke through. Now, let me confess my sin to you. Uh, and it's pride. I thought I'll handle this. I'll fight her. And I did in prayer. If I had missed a pride, you know what I'd have done? I'd called my praying friends and said, help me. But I said, I'll handle Listen, That's pride. Want to handle everything by yourself. And I confess that. And I'm telling you something, she's active in the earth today. 
And if she comes after you, it's not because you're bad, probably because you're seeking God. All right. That's what she does to individuals. If you're going through that stuff, take a quick look. Number two, what's Jezebel doing in the churches in this nation right now? Turn with me to the book of Revelation. Let's get a revelation. Jezebel does two things in churches. Now the book of Revelation is where Jesus prophesies what's coming in the future. I will show you the things that are coming. And he gives it to his children. All right. Revelation chapters two and three are seven letters to seven churches. And it, but now listen to me. It's a prophetic word. By that I mean every church in world history can be found in one of these churches. You understand what I mean by that? These churches represent every church in world history. You can take me to any church in America and give me a few days there and I'll point to one of these seven churches and say, there you are right there. This is a prophecy of what would happen in churches. And listen, Jesus prophesied and this will happen in churches till the day I come back to the earth. I want you to look with me in Revelation chapter two, verse 18, to the angel of the church of fire tower. It's not a literal angel. It meant the leader, messenger. Literal word is messenger. It means pastor, elder, whatever, to the preacher. These things says the son of God. I want you to look at something with me who has eyes like a flame of fire and his feet are fine brass. Can I ask you a question? Is this the revelation of Jesus Christ? It is. Where's your Mr. Rogers? Mr. Rogers don't have eyes of fire and feet of brass. And let me tell you something. That's not not anger fire. That's passion fire. He is passionately in love with his bride. And that fire comes from the same thing you'd see in my eyes if somebody attacked one of my children. This is the fire of God in love for his people. This is the real Jesus right here, not the pathetic, piddly looking guy we got in these pictures. It looks like he needs Xanax. Let me make an announcement. Nobody's hair stayed that perfect in that day. A side note. Watch what he says, verse 19. I know your works. Folks, Jesus is familiar with his churches. Your love, your service, your faith, your patience, your works. You're doing more now than ever. What do he say? You're walking in love. You're working. Patience doesn't mean wait in line at Walmart. Patience means I'm enduring the persecution. And he said, you're doing better now than you've ever done. I want Jesus to say that to me. Watch what else he says. Verse 20. Nevertheless, I have something against you because you tolerate that woman, Jezebel. This is a church that, now that's not a literal woman here. This is a church that a Jezebel spirit had crept into the church. He said, you're tolerating that woman, Jezebel, or you allow it, who calls herself a prophetess. Then she does two things, to teach and seduce my servants to commit sexual immorality and eat things sacrificed to idols. That's Jezebel. She works into the American church or works into any church and she, she seduces people sexually to live in immorality and start worshiping idols. That's the picture of the American church today. Exactly what's going on. One of the greatest churches in world history ever raised up, the Hillsong Church, the network of churches that God raised up to bring back worship into the earth collapsed about two or three weeks ago when the filth that was at the level of leadership was finally exposed. I mean, just not talking about mistakes, sordid sexual immorality and bragging about it. But what did he say? You don't repent. I will raise up your skirts and let the world see what you're doing. And he's done it. And this is in pastoral leadership right now. 40 per, Mr. Barnett tells us 40% of pastors struggle with pornography. You'll never have the power of God on you doing like that. But what did she say? And listen, not just the pulpit, the pew. 
I spoke, a young man came from one of the most powerful movements in this nation. And he said, there's no doubt God's hand. He said, I was so confused at the immorality within the people there. Let me tell you something. Jezebel uses sex to destroy people's futures. And that's exactly what, but what's the other one he leads? What's the other thing she leads churches into? Idol worship. He said, well, thank God I don't worship no idols. Now, you know what an idol is. You go to these Chinese restaurants, got a little fat gold Buddha sitting there, got a little orange sitting beside him. An idol's not a little fat gold Buddha with orange beside him. You know what an idol is? It's anything your heart adores more than Jesus Christ. That's an idol. That's, that's the definition of an idol. Our churches have become idolatrous. I know people that are more excited about their church than they are the Son of God. I know people more that cheer about their preacher more than they do the Son of God. We don't do preacher worship here. I know, I know people that are, taught, that are more jacked up about their denomination and their theological positions. You never hear them say the name of Jesus. It can be a car, it can be a job, it can be a family, it can be a position. Anything your heart is more excited about than Jesus is an idol. And Jezebel is running the show in that area today. And it, it doesn't matter whether you're jacked up about your great church or you're jacked up about your pornographic movies. An idol is an idol. Right. It's taking Jesus from the rightful place in your heart, which is number one. True. It's taking, and she does. That's the two things she does. She leads into sexual immorality and perversion and idolatry. And let me tell you something. She is after, she's after anything that honors God. Right. And she uses sex to control. Girls, I didn't come to play today. You use sex to manipulate your husband. That's a Jezebel spirit. Knock it off. We need to grow up. Let me show you a picture of Jezebel in the Bible. I'll just quote it to you. Jezebel resurrected in another woman in the Bible in Mark chapter six. You can look it up sometime. The king's name was Herod. His wife's name was Herodias. And there was a preacher in the spirit of Elijah. His name was John the Baptist. Jesus said, John the Baptist is the spirit of Elijah. And John the Baptist was a righteous man and he called the nation to love God and repent. And he called the nation to repent. Listen, God don't believe in this separation of church and state stuff. God raises up men to speak to nations. John chapter one said there was a man sent by God and his name was John. And John didn't preach these pathetic little be nice to one another sermons. John marched into the president's office without an appointment, pointed at the president and said, you got no business having sex with that woman. How do you think that'd go over today? Well, our current president's too old to have sex with any woman. I'm sure that wouldn't fly right there. I'm... Cut that out. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, it was not. I got to knock this off. Well, bless God, the last president wasn't, was he? Oh, my goodness. All right, I'm going to get killed. He marches into the president's office. He says, you're not going to do it anymore. King's office. When his wife heard that, Herodias, who was trying to do the same thing Jezebel was, she hated his guts. She told the king, kill him. I want him dead. The king, the Bible said the king was terrified of him because the king knew that man walks with God. I ain't killing him. So he locked him in prison to keep him alive. I want you to listen. Now you're going to learn about Jezebel, the spirit working in our nation right here. She wanted to kill him, but the king wouldn't do it. So she had to come up with a plan. And she concocted this demonic plan she threw a birthday party for the king, got him drunk at that party. Now listen to this. Sent her own teenage daughter in there in front of him and the noble officials half naked to dance seductively to get him all jacked up and get him seduced. And right in the middle of that, she said, ask him for something. And she said, I, I want something from you. 
He said, you can ask me for anything you want. She said, mom, what do I ask for? She said, you tell him you want the head of that preacher on a plate. And when she said that, the king turned white and he got sober real fast. He was scared to death, but he knew he had to do it because he said it in front of the officials. He said, send an executioner and take his head off in prison. I'm telling you, Jezebel is a murderer of anything that loves God. And she uses sex to get it. Seduction. So they took his head off, put his head on a plate, took it to the girl. She took it to her mother. Her mother went in her chambers, set that head down, pointed at that head and said, I told you, don't cross me. That's the spirit of Jezebel. And it's rampant in this nation right now, hating anything that's righteous. And uh, so she says, all right, now let me go to nations, which in turn affects homes. Let me tell you something. The foundation of any nation is, is the strength of its home. You want to destroy a nation, destroy the homes. You want to destroy the homes, go after the fathers. You destroy biblical fatherhood in a nation, your nation's coming down. I don't care what you do. How has Jezebel worked in, in, I'm going to tell you what she did in in, uh, Israel and what she's doing in our nation. I'll give you five, five or six things she does. Number one, the sexualization of a nation. She's going to work to have a nation just obsessed with sex. We can't sell hemorrhoid medication in this nation without sex. Why do you have to have some curvature woman selling? Hemorrhoids are not tied to sex. Talk to me. Why can't you have a fat doctor selling stuff? Doctor should. Day and night, can I get a rest? Sex is wonderful. God created it. It's one of his great treats to people. But there is more to life than sex. Can I get a witness? But the sexualization of a nation where men can't look at a woman like a sister. Do you understand what I'm saying? She has saturated this nation with sex. Number two, pornography. Just, just the pornographic industry has exploded. When I was a boy, the only way you could get a dirty picture, you had to drive your truck to a dirty bookstore, park in front of it. Everybody in town see it and call your mama. <laughs> Look what we've done to our children today. You put things in their hands. Boom. Stuff kids got no business seeing. Jezebel saturated this nation with filth, the pornographic industry. And it's not just that it has destroyed marriage. I'm sorry. It is destroying so many marriages. Do you know how many women are brokenhearted because he's staring at pornography? Your your eyes got no business looking but one woman in your life. This is, this is the spirit of Jezebel in a nation. Trafficking, sexual trafficking. And now let me tell you, let me go a little further. The war on God-ordained genders. God created them male and female. What the hell's going on in this nation that school teachers, I'm, I'm not playing dirty Harry. Why are we letting it happen? Weird, I mean, warp 22-year-olds from the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill, and I'm fixing to quote some things from them, that want to tell your six-year-old, saw your private parts off and be a girl, but don't tell your mama I told you that. Governor Ron DeSantis passes a bill, says teachers can't tell children to saw their private parts off, and, and heads explode. Right. Let me make an announcement. Why are you talking to a six-year-old about sex anyway? Considering what our scores in our public schools are doing, maybe you ought to talk to them about math and science. Maybe they could learn to write their names. Maybe, maybe they could learn to look up from their phones and say, hello, instead of, huh? 
the sexualization of a nation. Her tools, the media, education, government, and now the church in America. What has happened to these denominations that instead of preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, they're pushing perversion. Number two, number one, the sexualization of a nation. I'm going to say something. Don't let your head explode. Don't get angry. Just listen to me. You can send me an email if you think I'm wrong. Now, if you're mad, I don't want to hear it. But if you can document that I'm wrong, tell me. Radical feminism. Now, beginning in the 1960s, really took off in the 70s. Now, let me tell you something about feminism. There is a righteous feminism. And we needed a revolution in the way we treat women in this nation. Women have been done wrong in this nation. And I'm pro-woman, you know that. But let me encourage you to think about something. Who's the first leader in world history to honor women? Jesus Christ. Who's the first man to elevate women in world history? If you can find any other place, send it to me. I want to know it. See this book right here? This book stood the world on its ear when 2,000 years ago it came out. This is the document God's people are to live by. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Our churches don't do it today, but God sent this word for people to live out of. And this book stood the world on its head when it came out and it said, in Gen- excuse me, Galatians 3, 26, 27, it said this. If you've been baptized into Christ, you're in the family of God. Listen to what it says. There is no longer Jew or Gentile. Racism is gone in God's family. There's no racial anything in God's family. Everybody's equal. The second one, it said, there's no slave or free. There's no socioeconomic. There are no no uppities. There are no rich folks, poor folks. Everybody's equal in God's family. But it was the third one that shocked the world. There is no longer male or female. That doesn't mean no no longer genders. It means men are not above women anymore. Women are to be treated just like, I've never understood why a woman wants to be equal to a man. Why would you lower yourself? Women are to be honored in the kingdom of God, adored and cared for. They're not to be used. We've still got problems today with my fundamentalist brethren who still haven't honored women like they should have. And the Southern Baptist Convention got busted over it about two years ago at the leadership levels. Now listen, I I know I've had people say to me, you're pro-woman. You seem to favor the women, you think. Why would I want to, why would I honor something as ugly and hairy and dumb as a man when I could adore something as beautiful as a woman. I'm just wondering if we hadn't lost our minds around here. So there was a feminist movement started in this nation in the 60s and 70s, should have been led by the church. They said, we're going to treat women equal. We're going to treat women decent. If a woman does what a man does, she's going to get paid the same. A woman gets every opportunity a man does. There should have been equality in this nation and the church should have led it. The church dropped the ball because you got cowards in the pulpits. The church dropped the ball in the 1950s, 1960s. Who should have been at the forefront of the civil rights movement? Southern pulpits were scared to death and didn't speak up. We probably could have avoided a civil war if preachers had guts in this nation and had spoken the truth of God. But we failed in that area. However, listen to me. However, along with that righteous feminine movement came a very unrighteous radical feminist movement, sort of like a Trojan horse deal. And that feminist movement, and I'm fixing to quote to you, Basically, it's propped up on five pillars. Let me tell you what it's done to the nation. The radical feminist movement is propped up on five pillars. Number one, the hatred of God and his word. If God's word says it, they're against it. Number two, the vileness of all men. Feminism hates men and despises men, just like Jezebel did. She just wanted to kill the men. Number three, the evil of marriage. 
feminism has come out against marriage. The, do you remember who the she queen of the feminist movement was in the 1970s, Gloria Steinem? She was editor of Ms. Magazine, which was the flagship publication of the feminist movement. And she got, she was, I'm sure you remember this. It was, it was funny, but she, her, her uh, mantra was, a woman needs a man like a fish needs a bicycle. Y'all don't remember that? Where are we? Do y'all watch anything besides the Waltons? We know I got tickled about two years ago. She's 70 some years old now. And I saw about two years ago where she got married. I guess the old fish finally decided she needed a bicycle. What do you reckon? All right. The evils of marriage, number four. And this is one of the tenets of radical feminism. Motherhood is a waste of life. The waste of life of motherhood. Number five, children are a burden and a waste. Let me tell you what this book says. Psalm 127, children are a blessing from the Lord. They're not a bother. They're not somebody to kick, get rid of so you can go enjoy your life. Children are a blessing. And then of course, number six, female domination. You see, you're making this stuff up. Whop. You've heard these names for years. I'm gonna quote the she queens of the feminist movement. By the way, this comes out of school textbooks. We cannot destroy the inequities between men and women until we destroy this institution called marriage. That's Robin Morgan. I've heard her names for years. Andrew Dorkin, who seems to be the she-queen right now, under male leadership, every woman's son is her potential betrayer and also the inevitable rapist or exploiter of another woman. Every man born is out to rape women. I never raped a woman in my life. I ain't going to, I'm too old now. Mary Daly, who is also one of the chief speakers on the college circuits these days. If life is to survive on this planet, there must be a decontamination of the earth. That sounds, that sounds bad there. This will be accompanied by an evolutionary process that will result in a drastic reduction of the male population. I've heard save the snails, save the whales. How about somebody want to save the males? Can I get a witness? <laughs> Susan Brown Miller, who's a local professor. All men exist to keep all women in a state of fear. My wife ain't afraid of nothing. I don't want women to fear me. I adore women. This is what your kids hear. And from the queen bee herself, I mentioned Gloria Steinem. Try this. Overthrowing capitalism is too small for us. We must overthrow men. Go get back on your bike. Jermaine Greer, one of the top writers, the only safe place for a man is in a maximum security prison. The only problem is he might be released. <laughs> uh, am I that bad? This is being pumped into your daughter's heads in colleges. And local, University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill, explain to me something. How, why is the chairman of the religion department in a university an atheist? What can you teach if he don't exist? We have lost our minds. Let's forget about this mythical Jesus and look for encouragement, solace, and inspiration from real women. 2,000 years of male leadership under the shadow of the cross ought to be enough to turn women toward the feminist salvation of this world. That's the indoctrination, the teaching. Oh, let me do Kate Millett. She's a family gal. Caring for children is a waste. Leave it to those who've been trained to do it. 
This family stuff undermines the structure of the family. And what we need to do is destroy the family and contribute to the freedom of women. Go see my wife. She don't want her kids to get, she don't get rid of her kids. Some of you sitting in this room. Well, let me, read, let me do you one more. Let me bless you. <laughs> Catherine McKinnon, one of, the, one of the queen honkers. In case you're wondering what's going on in this land, feminism, socialism, and communism are one and the same. A socialist communist government is the ultimate goal of feminism. Fine, I'll tell you what to do. Why don't you put your habit on and why don't you go to one of them nations that's like that and see how much you enjoy yourself over there. And I'm gonna say it again. I love women. I honor women. But this movement in this land, this is exactly what's happening in our nation. Listen to me. This is Jezebel. This is the spirit. Number three, abortion. Jezebel, as soon as she took over Israel, she set up bronze statues at every, quote, house of worship. His name was Molech, M-O-L-E-C-H. It was a tall statue, size of a man, demonic face. It was bronze. His arms were extended like this, and they were tilted up like this. There was a hollow cavity right here. His stomach was open. They built a fire of coals in his bowel, where his bowels would be. There was a hollow cavity. You laid your children in his hands. They rolled down those arms and into that fire in his stomach. That's what she did to Israel. And she caused Israel to sacrifice their children to that idol named Moloch. You said, it's horrible. What's the difference? What's the difference? Are you listening to me? I'm going to teach you from this word about the Jezebel spirit. Jezebel, I don't understand this. Satan knows when God is going to do something good. So Satan always goes after the babies. Is that not biblical? Satan found out that God was sending a deliverer to deliver his people from Egypt. And the king didn't know who it was, so what was the king's edict? Just kill the babies and we'll get the one he's sending. Moses got through though and delivered the nation. What happened in the day of Jesus? Satan knew God was fixing to send the deliverer. And how did he try to stop him? He had the government issue a command, kill the babies. And they went and killed the babies. But the angel said to Joseph, pick that child up and run to Egypt. You'll be safe there. And God delivered him. Now you listen to what I'm fixing to say. How do you know in the last 30 years of the 65 million people that are not alive today in this planet, how do you know we hadn't killed the cure to cancer? I'm not, listen, if you've had an abortion, I have nothing but mercy. We have a ministry here called, uh, that, that redeems people's lives and we care for people like that. But the insanity must stop. This, this is the spirit of Jezebel to destroy what God is raising up. Number four, may I have some fun for a minute? Jezebel's ultimate goal is to emasculate men and get them taking hormone shots. The emasculation, but she whipped her husband down and she told him, shut up, I'm running the place, you do what you say or no sex after dinner. That's exactly what she told him. And she whipped every decent man in the nation. She went after strong men. The Bible's very clear, very clear. God created them male and female. And that's not just sexuality. God means for men to fill certain roles and he means for women to fill certain roles and they complement one another. It would work fine if we would obey him. But Jezebel hates the male role. She hates anything God does. All right, God's very clear about what a man's supposed to be. Now I'm gonna quote to you from 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 13 and 14. Listen to what God said. Act like a man. Act like a man. Be strong. Be a protector. Love me with all your heart and everything you do, do it in love. That's the role of biblical manhood. A man is supposed to be strong. He's not supposed to use women. He's supposed to protect women. 
His children are not to be thrown off on his women. Let me tell you something. God did not give the education of children to the, to the government. What does the Bible say in Galatians 6? Fathers, you train your children. Not even the mothers responsible for training children. Fathers. But somehow the Jezebel spirit got in this land and either turned men into Pee Wee Herman or turned them into these beer guzzling, ball game watching goofballs who don't care about their families. And he's going after manhood in this nation. Listen, what, what has happened in this land that we have emasculated men? I'm not talking about redneck, dirty, hairy mess. I'm not talking about men. I'm talking about men who want to serve from strength. What was every man in that Bible? He was strong, but he laid down his life to help other people. You don't be strong so you can run the show. It's King Jesus, Bubba, not King Kong. A man of God is strong and he cares and he serves. And he'll get last in line. And uh, we have neutered manhood in this nation. What is the profession in this nation that has been neutered the most? The ministry. What, what, how, what, do we pass out lace panties with diplomas now? What has happened? What has happened in this nation that our ministers have had hormone shots and squeak? And their hands have been, they're, they're getting pedicures for God's sake. What is going on? Where are the men that can stand up and do what God called men to do? I, I meet preachers all the time and I think, I met one other day, he said, next time you're in town, maybe we can go to a coffee shop and get a latte. A latte? I don't do lattes. I'm not paying $7 for sugar. What? I'll go to Flying J, get it for 95 cents. Better. I said, I got a better idea, Doc. You come out to the farm, we'll drink some watermelon wine and blow something up. That's what men do. Find out loud, what has happened in this nation? Preachers terrified to say what the Bible said, afraid of some woman in their church. That is a Jezebel spirit. Uh, listen, heads explode when I talk like this. Take it up with the guy who wrote it. We need, a, we need a resurrection of biblical manhood, not redneck manhood, biblical manhood in this nation, where men put other people in front of themselves. My children's well-being is more important than my golf score. My wife is more important to me than my boss. I can get another job. I got one family that Jesus gets back. All right. I started to say I didn't mean to dwell on that. I meant to dwell on that. And then one more. Jezebel destroys the voice of righteousness in a nation. She wants to shut down God's word in a nation. What do we call it today? Cancel culture. You speak God's word, they'll shut you down on Twitter. That's Jezebel. You speak God's word, the talking heads will explode and come after you with a viciousness. Disney, is got, Disney has backfired. They should have kept their mouth shut. Thank God for somebody who's got some sanity in this nation. Now, all right, all right, let me wrap up here by saying this. That, that is Jezebel in a person's life, a church, and a nation. Open the eyes of our hearts. Yeah. Let us see what's behind this insanity. Now, here's the fun part. What does God tell you to do with Jezebel? There you go. What did he say to the preacher? I got some, his problem wasn't with Jezebel. His problem was the preacher who allowed it or the head of a family who allowed it. What did he say? Why do you tolerate this? Which tells me what? I don't have to tolerate this. Which tells me God expects me to stop it and not tolerate it. One, two, three. Listen to me. Everybody listen to me. Quit tolerating Jezebel in your life. Give her no place. Throw her down. By the way, let me tell you what happened to Jezebel. When Elijah finally got over his pity party, God spoke to him and he said, knock his stuff off. I love it when he talks like that. Knock his stuff off. And he said to him, go back. 
I want you to anoint a guy named Jehu, king of Israel. Jehu will know what to do. He went back and he anointed Jehu. God threw Ahab out of office. Jehu became the king, leader of the nation. The moment after he got inaugurated, what did he do? He jumped on his horse and he tore out for Jezebel's palace. And he was a wild man. The lookout said, I see a rider coming and his riding is crazy like the riding of Jehu. That's my kind of guy right there. He drove like I drive. And he drove that, he drove, he don't drive horses, he ride horses. He rode that horse into the palace. He went right up to her palace. Listen to what the Bible said. She painted her eyes. She dressed seductively to come out and say, I'm telling you, she's a whore to the core. She'll use sex to do anything. How many preacher friends do I have that fell for it? And he rose right up there and she came out on the back and he looked up. She said, is it peace, Jehu? You come in peace? He looked up her and he said, there's no peace in this nation as long as you're breathing. And then he said, is there anybody up there on God's side? And three eunuch, you know what a eunuch is? That is a man that a woman is castrated so he can do her bidding. Jezebel's castrating men today. Three eunuchs stuck their heads over and said, we repent. We should have loved God to start with. We turned back to God. He said, grab her and throw her down here. Throw the queen off the balcony. Kicking and screaming. They grabbed her and they threw her down there. Now listen to me. And the Bible said when she hit the pavement, Jehu jumped on her with his horse and stomped her to death and her blood splattered against the wall. That's the Bible. That's God speaking to you. That's time out, time out. I'm not going to take my pony and go to Gloria Steinem's house. That's not what he's talking about there. <laughs> you understand? We're not talking about people. We're talking about a spirit. And you don't need to worry about, it's not people. It's a spirit that needs to be destroyed. God told his people to destroy Jezebel. Quit tolerating it. You don't have to do it. Well, you don't do it through the ballot box. You don't do it through fussing. You do it in prayer. And you bow your knee in prayer and you go to war with that thing and you declare over your family, she's not going to rule in this house. We're not going to have that mess in this house. And I do it in prayer. We're not having it in this nation. I promise you, anything like that in this house gets exposed, I throw it out in a heartbeat. We're not going to have it. You need to make up your mind, she's not going to rule in my life. You, you have to be violent with Jezebel. Violence is a word modern preachers don't understand. The Bible said the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent have to take it by force. Man. There has to be a war with his hussy yeah. to win for your family. Men, you got to fight for your family in prayer. All right, people don't, people don't like that kind of stuff. Now we got a war against law enforcement in this nation because they're too brutal. Now listen, where it's wrong, it needs to be straightened out. But to have laws, somebody has to enforce them. That's why we have law enforcement. What is the root word in the word enforcement? Force. <laughs> Deputies don't go, excuse me, could I bother you to turn around and put your hands behind your back? <laughs> they don't ask. It's enforcement because you have to force the law. That's why I have law enforcement. I for one am thankful we do. All right, you have to force the kingdom of God in prayer. You got to make up your mind in prayer. She ain't stealing my children. And if that means take that cell phone away, take it away. My child, what, what would they say? Who gives a flying net rear in what they would say? At least get in there and look at it. It's I don't want to infringe on my child's rights. You have lost your mind. But listen to me. Amen. Why are you watching crap on TV? You got no business watching, letting your kids see you watch it. 
give her no room. One of my dear friends is serving 30 years in prison for molesting a 12-year-old. You say, what a pervert. He was an outstanding man, a business deacon. He worked in NASCAR. I said to him, what happened to you? I went to see him in prison. What happened to you? He said, if you'd have told me three years ago I'd have done this, I'd have hit you. He said, it started watching TV late at night when we got those extra channels. Then all of a sudden I got on that computer. Let me teach you something about Jezebel. Listen to what the Bible says about Jezebel and sexual immorality. The leech has two daughters who cry, give me, give me, but they're never satisfied. You will never stay where you're at. You'll always go downward toward hell. He said, it went from, I'd never forget the day. Finally, the, the computer wasn't enough. And I went and found somebody. And then that wasn't enough. And I found myself one night, I made contact with a 12-year-old girl, told her to meet me in a place. And she showed up, but she turned out to be a Guilford Sheriff's deputy. Wow. Ruined his family, ruined his name, blew his kids' lives. Don't you dare think it couldn't happen to you. Quit messing with this hussy. Throw her down. Let me quit by by saying this. God wants Jezebel thrown down in people's families. He don't want that mess in a family, a life. He doesn't want it in a church. It ain't gonna be in this one. I I mean, I'm sorry. Let me tell you something. I'm not being hard to get along with. I've got to stand in front of Almighty God one day. I am not gonna have him say, why'd you tolerate that? But now here's the good part. I hope this, hope this don't freak you out. He wants her thrown down in this nation and he's going to do it. I'm telling you, I don't know if you believe in prophecy or not. It didn't die. It's still around today. I want you to listen to Amos 3, 7. Does the Lord God almighty do anything unless he first shows it to his servants, the prophets? There are still prophets today that God is speaking to about the future. I like to keep my ear to those prophets. Now, let me make an announcement. There are goofballs galore on the internet today claiming to be prophets and they're nutty as a fruitcake. They hack me to no end. First Thessalonians 520 in the New Testament said this, do not despise the words of the prophet. Do not despise prophetic utterances. But the next verse, verse 21 says this, but test everything. Hold what is good, throw the garbage away. Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. God is speaking about what he's going to do in this nation in the future. Let me tell you what he's going to do. Here's how you know God's doing something. He has called a tiny group of people in this nation to pray like never before for the deliverance of this nation. Amen. It's not, it's God. He's doing it. I'm one of them. When I pray and I give my life to prayer, when I pray and I start praying for this nation, I can't describe it. The spirit of God comes in the room and comes over me and my heart aches for this nation And when I pray, it's like a river flowing out of me to heaven. And I can lose myself in that prayer. The Spirit prays through me, send your light out in this nation. Redeem this nation. God doesn't cause people to do that unless he's going to do something. And he don't need a great big bunch of people. I'm going to teach you one of the greatest things you'll ever hear about God. One day, the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah. You ever Sodom and Gomorrah? So filthy, he said, I'm going to take them out of the earth. I want you to listen to what God said but will I do anything and not talk to my friend, Abraham? God talks to people when he's going to do something. And he went to see Abraham and he told him what he was going to do. And in one of the bravest moves in world history, Abraham said, who am I that I should speak to the divine? But may I ask you a question? Far be it from me, but may I ask you a question? Will God destroy the righteous with the wicked? If I can find 50 righteous men in Sodom, will you spare the nation? 
And the Bible said, listen to this, God relented and changed his mind. A man can change the mind of God in prayer. Right there it is in Genesis. He said, find me 50 men, I'll spare the nation. Abraham said, do not kill me. Let me approach you one more time. 45. He came back, 40. 20. I will speak one more time to you. Please do not kill me. If I can find 10 righteous people, will you spare the nation? And God said, find me 10 people that love me. I'll save the nation. 10. But he couldn't find 10 people that loved God. I'm telling you, Sodom and Gomorrah is a real place and that really happened. It's right, it's Old Testament. Jude is not in the Old Testament. Jude is the 65th book in the Bible right in front of the book of Revelation. And the Bible said in Jude, Sodom is a warning to anybody till I get back that does what they do. And God spared that land for 10 people. Uh, 10 people was one-tenth of 1% of the population of Sodom. Not even 1%. Find me a tiny handful of people that will walk with me righteous. They can save the whole nation. You could convert that today in America. We got 330 million people. That'd be 330,000 people. I promise you, God's got 330,000 people on their faces crying out to this nation for him because he's going to do something in this nation. Now I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. One of two things is going to happen. I began seeing this several years ago and I'm hearing this from the prophetic voices around our land. One of two things is going to happen. He's going to hit this nation and he's going to crush Jezebel. And in no time at all, we're going to have a great awakening and this nation is going to turn its heart toward God. All right, that's, that's a possibility, which is what he did to the nation Israel. However, something else could happen. The second thing is, and many prophetic voices are saying this, that our nation is headed for a third civil war. Our our first civil war was called the Revolutionary War. When we said we can't get along anymore, we're going to dissolve the bands because we can't live together. The second civil war was fought over slavery, states' rights, because Southern pulpits were silent. There's a third civil war coming in this nation, probably. It's not possible anymore. If I'd have said this 10 years ago, you'd have laughed at me. Nobody's laughing now. The two sides absolutely despise each other now. War could break out at any... Now, you remember, the Civil War was not a war in this nation. Do you understand that? Less than, less than 2% of the people were involved in the actual fighting. 98% of the people were still farming, living life like usual. Less than 1% of the land in this nation was involved in the Civil War. 99% of the land went on like before. It was a small conflict physically. Now, I don't think shots are going to be fired this time. I think we're just going to reach a place where we say, we can't live like this. We're going to kill each other. And you're going to see a new nation come out of this nation. Amen. One of the local prophets, not local, I'm sorry, one of the national prophets, a man who's got a 40-year track record of crystal clear godly life and a 40-year record of accuracy said about two weeks ago, he named the city that will be the new capital of a nation that comes out of this nation. Well, I'd never thought that, but I did know. Well, that's in the state I said was going to be the first one to break away. Maybe two, two, three, four nations might come out of this nation. Something is going to happen. And I'm not talking 20 years from now either. We're at a flashpoint in this nation where something crazy is going to happen. But God's going to be forcing the hand. He's behind it. Listen to what Isaiah chapter 60 says. Darkness, deep darkness is going to cover the people in the last days. But the glory of God is going to raise up a people. And God's got people in this nation that love him and want to honor him. And I began saying years ago, I see this in Genesis, where Abraham said to Lot, we are brethren, but we cannot stay together anymore. Our people are fighting each other. It was always over economics. Our people are fighting each other to keep from killing each other. We have to separate. 
The land's before you. If you choose west, I'll go east. You take east, I'll go west. Lot chose the gracious, fertile plains of the east. Abraham was left. The moment Lot walked off, God said, because you've been gracious and faithful. Look to the north, south, east, and west. I give you everything you see and to your children forever. Don't mess with Israel. Same thing's happening today. We're going to reach a flashpoint in this nation where God's going to move and say, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, come ye out from amongst her and I will bless you and I'll be your father. You'll be my sons and daughters. I've been joking about this for several years now. I spoke to a veterans meeting a while back. I said, tell you, I'm gonna, I'll tell you what I've decided to do. We're going to give that group, California, biofuels, rap music and Nancy Pelosi. Y'all take them and go your way. There's your thing. And, and we, uh, we're going to take uh, the military, law enforcement, the Bible, and the Atlanta Braves. And we're going this way. <laughs> but the prophetic voice is saying, that's what's coming in this. Let me tell you something. God has heard the cries of his people. Yeah. He's going to crush Jezebel either over this nation or over those who are tired of living like this. These are the greatest days in the world to be like, I love these days. The spirit of God is on me and people to pray like never before. And there's a day, he, has, he has thundered in the spirit. Stop tolerating the spirit in your personal lives, in your churches, and in your nation. We're going to get rid of it. I'm going to leave you with one more scripture. Here, my Bible's closed. That means I'm done. See, look, right there, I'm done. The garbage is in people's heads today. Well, we just, this is terrible, but Jesus will be back one day. If your theology is the glory of God by getting out of here, that's a bad theology. Have you forgotten the great prophecy of this day? It will come to pass. I'm going to tell you, if he says it will come to pass... Let me make an announcement. It will come to pass. In the last days, not biblical days, last days, I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters are going to prophesy. It's not going to be on us old people. It's going to be on the young people. God's going to raise up young people and they're going to be on fire for Christ. And they're going to speak the name of Jesus like that song we sang. Young people are going to come alive to Jesus. And it's, we're not going to play bingo games and Disney World upstairs. I mean, they're going to fall in love with God. And listen, I will do it. God said, I'll pour out. You don't have to mess with them. I'll do it. Pour out my spirit. Young men will have visions. They'll see things in the future. Old men are going to dream about the great things God could do. And I'm going to pour my spirit out on my servants. And he talks about the great things that are going to happen. And then everybody that calls on the name of the Lord will be saved right before Jesus gets back. There's going to be a great outpouring of God's spirit right before Jesus comes back. We're not going to suck eggs and crawl in pathetic. Quit acting like Elijah under Jezebel's control. You are not Elijah. You walk with Jesus. Your name is Jehu. You honor God. You kill that thing in your family. I, I love being alive today. The only problem is I'm 64. I, we got to hurry. Got to get a show on the road because you know I'm only claiming 85. But I promise you, I'm as strong at 85 as I was at 40. I got plans till I'm 85. And then at 85, I'm croaking and I'm going over yonder. I'm out of here, doc. But I'm telling you, these are the greatest days in the world to be alive if, if you're living by revelation and he's showing you things that nobody else can see. Get out of the newspaper, get into God's word. I'm I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Somebody that's 19 years old just looked at their mom and said, what's the newspaper? (laughs) It's where we used to get news from. When me and Henry Ford were in school together, it's where we used to get our news from. These are the greatest days in the world to be alive. But I'm going to tell you something. 
Well, I got one more thing to say. It's going to be fast. If your heart is completely sold out to God, you're fixing to have the time of your life. If you have chosen to worship Baal or anything else, I need for you to repent. That's not because I'm mean and I'm a preacher. That's because you've got no idea what's fixing to happen to you. That's not anger. That's love talking. And if you're one of them American Christians and you straddling the fence, you sort of a little bit of Jesus on the side, whole lot of the world. I got news for you. The only thing you're going to get straddling the fence is a sore crotch. And you need to, as Elijah said, make up your mind. Choose ye today. So I'll think about it. Today don't mean think about it. Choose ye today whom you're going to serve. If you love Jezebel and immorality and filth and nonsense, go headlong into it, Doc. But if you love God, chase him with all your heart. I love this. All right, I'm getting hungry. I'm not. I can tell you are. Lord Jesus, I love you and praise you and thank you for your goodness. You're, you're more than wonderful. I bless you because of your great kindness. Jezebel has put the American church to sleep. Our preachers are scared spitless of offending somebody. They're preaching some Mr. Rogers mess. I pray in Jesus' name, hit this land. Our people are caught between, as Elijah cried out, who are you going to serve? Make up your mind. I praise you and thank you that though this is the most powerful demon spirit in world history, this spirit is no match for the almighty God. I thank you that at the name of Jesus, every knee bows, including Jezebel's. I pray for every person in the, every family in this room. I want to pray for men. Father, run a rod up their spine to be men, to lay down their lives for Christ, for their wives, their children, their churches, their communities. Lord Jesus, jerk men. I don't know what to say. Jerk them up. Fill them with your spirit. Let them be the light in their communities. Let young girls say to them, you're the kind of man I want to marry someday. Raise up manhood in this nation again by your spirit. I praise you and thank you. I pray for our kids. We are killing our kids with this garbage that we're pouring into their hearts and minds. Work a miracle. I need you to act. I need you to act to save our children. I praise you and thank you that your heart's greater for kids than mine ever thought about being. And I praise you raise up a church here. Not just so we can have a cool church. Raise up a place that can save this city. People need help here. I cry out to you in the name of Jesus. And I praise you for the name of Jesus. And in the name of Jesus, I rebuke the spirit of Jezebel on lives and homes in this church. I bind you in the name of Jesus. Depart never to come back again. In the name of Jesus. Name above every name. You know his name. I'm going to thank you and praise you for the goodness of God in our lives. Father, I pray for people that don't know you yet. What in the world are people doing not getting on the train? This train's bound for glory. The other train is headed straight to hell. Call people into the name of Jesus. Friend, if you're sitting there dead, you've never called on the name of Jesus, given him your life. Let's do it right now, right there where you're seated. In your heart. Don't say it out loud. Pray in your heart. But you've got to mean it. Dear Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on a cross to show me what love looks like. I believe you rose from the grave in great power. And I believe you're coming back to this earth soon. I want you to rule in my life. I repent. I turn from my sin. And I turn to you. I don't understand it, Jesus. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. But from this day forward, I'm following you. From this day forward, 
I am yours, 100%, and you are mine. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Thank you for answering my prayer. Be glorified in my life. Now teach me what to do. I trust you. Strong name of Jesus, I pray. Father, I want to praise you and thank you that you're, you're telling people, get on the train. Which one are you going to get on? Because they're both fixing to leave the station. I praise you and thank you for your goodness. The mighty and precious and strong name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.